It's Saturday, April the 25th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, the WHO fast-tracks a vaccine and bleachgate at the White House. First, the week in brief. The World Health Organization and world leaders, including Angela Merkel, Germany's Chancellor, and Emmanuel Macron, the French president, announced a plan to collaborate to fight COVID-19. Countries pledged to work together to develop tests and a potential vaccine for the disease, but few details were given. President Donald Trump, who has criticized the WHO and withdrawn American funding, did not take part. Reckitt Benkiser, the British cleaning products company that owns Lysol and Detol, warned consumers that they should not ingest disinfectants after President Donald Trump speculated that they might be used to treat the coronavirus. Doctors, state officials and other representatives of the cleaning products industry were swift to condemn Mr Trump's remarks as dangerous. The president later claimed he was being sarcastic. The Taliban rejected a call by Afghanistan's president for a ceasefire for Ramadan, which began in the country on Friday. Ashraf Ghani had hoped a temporary end to hostilities would allow the country to focus on battling COVID-19. America and the Taliban signed a peace deal in February, but it did not include a permanent ceasefire. Over a dozen sailors on an American Navy destroyer tested positive for COVID-19, according to Reuters. The ship is in the midst of a counter-narcotics effort in the Caribbean. Earlier in April, Thomas Modley, America's acting Secretary of the Navy, was forced to resign after making controversial remarks about a coronavirus outbreak on an aircraft carrier in the Pacific. Air France KLM is set to be offered as much as 11 billion euros, 11.9 billion dollars of state aid, after the French government pledged to loan its 7 billion euros and the Dutch state said it could release 2 to 4 billion euros. The firm, which is the holding company for the country's flag carriers, is fast running out of cash and most of its planes are currently grounded. Nestlé reported that its sales rose by 4.3% year-on-year in the first three months of 2020, its fastest growth in almost five years. The Swiss food and drink heavyweight saw particularly strong demand for frozen goods and pet food in America, possibly boosted by stockpiling amid the coronavirus crisis. Unilever, a rival, said this week that its sales were flat in the same period. And Michel Barnier said that post-Brexit trade talks between the European Union and Britain had so far been disappointing. The EU's chief negotiator reminded his audience that the clock is ticking. A decision on whether to extend the transition period beyond December has to be taken by June. The British government, though, has repeatedly ruled out any extension. And now, here's today's agenda. Return of the King, Horror from the Master If there were to be an official chronicler of current events, Stephen King would be a hard choice to beat. The American's novels have often centred around themes of confinement and mental fragility. Think The Shining, Misery and The Green Mile. No better time then for the horror maestro to release his latest work, a collection of four novellas. If It Bleeds includes the story of a self-isolated writer desperately trying to conjure up his magnum opus and one of a demon which shapeshifts into television reporters and feeds off moments of national grief from 9-11 to a nightclub shooting. Mr. King has often prodded the darkest corners of the human psyche, with a title referring to an old newsroom aphorism, If It Bleeds, It Leads, this new collection looks set to be another unsettling read. 
Sex and Silence, Normal People on Television. Sally Rooney's second novel, Normal People, was about as ubiquitous last year as literary fiction ever is. It deserved all of its success. The story of an on-again, off-again romance between a young Irish couple, it captures the mixture of generosity and resentment that attends many close relationships. The dialogue is superb, the pacing perfect. Somebody at the BBC must have been impressed because on Sunday it begins airing a 12-part television adaptation. The programme makers will have to grapple with several difficulties. Normal People is neither action-packed nor especially atmospheric. The characters seldom travel beyond Dublin and County Sligo. The dialogue is often rather understated. The two main characters, Connor and Marianne, convey deep emotions by saying things like yeah and I don't know. They also have sex a lot. Fortunately, Ms Rooney has been involved with the production. She appears to be capable of anything. The novel Coronavirus, Life Imitates Art In the year 2020, a respiratory virus with mysterious origins spreads from Asia around the world, causing panic, quarantine and lockdown. This was the highly implausible scenario devised by Lawrence Wright when he began writing The End of October, his first novel released on April 28th. The protagonist, Dr. Henry Parsons, is an epidemiologist at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. He races around the world trying to halt the deadly spread of Congoli virus. Shortly after Mr. Wright, a journalist and author of The Looming Tower, an account of the 9-11 attacks, finished the book, he read about the first cases of COVID-19 in China. I had a sense that what I had written was about to unfold. Mr. Wright has a simple explanation for his seemingly prophetic novel. The question that journalism normally asks is, what happened? It's not a very big step from that to say what could happen. Orbital help. Satellites clear plastics from the sea. Plastic litter in oceans presents an existential threat to marine life. Ideally, macroplastics, anything larger than 5mm, should be removed before they become entangled with marine life and without inadvertently removing those organisms at the same time. New research published in Scientific Reports, a journal, shows how satellites can help. Taking advantage of the fact that different materials reflect different wavelengths of light, the report shows how sensors on the Sentinel-2 satellites of the European Space Agency can analyse these wavelengths with such precision that they are, on average, 86% accurate at discriminating between macroplastics and other things such as seaweed and wood. The method was tested in coastal waters off Canada, Ghana, Scotland and Vietnam. Its success across four different continents bodes well for the use of satellites in future initiatives to clean up the seas, even if keeping plastic out of the water in the first place remains the priority. Not dodging the draft, American football. America's National Football League is unique among major sports in betting that it can dodge the pandemic. The new season is not scheduled to begin until September, but its first showpiece event, the three-day-long draft in which teams pick and trade new players, concludes today. Planned at first as a flashy spectacle in Las Vegas, it has instead become a high-stakes video conference. The league's commissioner, Roger Goodell, has announced team selections from his basement. His ultimate priority is beginning the season on time. The NFL's finances are a closely guarded secret, but it is thought that more than half of its $8 billion annual revenue comes from media rights. 
The league needs games to broadcast even more than it needs fans in stadiums, especially as negotiations over new broadcasting rights are imminent. This year will not be business as usual, but the NFL is trying its hardest to make it so. Finally, here's the quote of the day from David Hume, who was born on May 7th, 1711. A propensity to hope and joy is real riches, one to fear and sorrow, real poverty. That's it from the Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.